Hello, my name is Trevor Isbell. And Matthew Millard. And we are the Movie, movie Brothers. Brothers. Today, we're going to be reviewing one good movie and one bad movie that each of us have picked out. And what is the theme for this week, Matt? This is the week's theme is animation. So we have chosen two of the one of the best and one of the worst animation movies we've ever seen. Uh, but before we get started, um, for anyone listening, we are Christians. And beforehand, we do want to open up in the comments section that if you ever want to have a prayer request or anything, go ahead and put it down. And in the next episode, we'll pray for pray for you as well. But to begin, let us open up with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for this wonderful podcast, and thank you for the wonderful viewers that are listening to this. And we ask that you help us and guide us throughout this podcast and through the rest of the day. And for any viewers out there that may be having a prayer request, let them open up to us and let them have a great day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to start this off, and today, the first film I'm going to be viewing, it's going to be a bad movie. It is Ice Age 5, 5 or 6 Collision Course. So a bit of the history behind this film. This is the this is film was inspired by the first by the first film. If you ever watched the first film, you remember the scene in the ice cave? Mm. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, the uh, one with uh, the one before the cave paintings and all. Exactly. And with and, little, and the and with the little like uh, <laughs> uh, what's the term? Uh, um, nod to Star Trek. <laughs> So basically in that movie, there was a scene where there was a UFO, and that's where they got the inspiration for this movie. In its box office debut, it grossed over $64,063,008, with a budget that started at $23 million. Now, here we go with the review. The characters and plot. I've seen this movie before, and let me just say, it should have died. <laughs> basically, it should have died after... Bombed, you mean? To me, it bombed because it just was not good. Because in the movie, there's, once again, Scrat has caused the end of the world, so to speak. Oh, really? Yeah, just like in the last one and the one before that, <clears throat> they have, he caused the end of the world. So, but how did he do it this time? Well, he got in a UFO, once again, chasing that elusive acorn. He discovers an alien spaceship messing around with it, causing him to go out of space, and basically, in a sense, he causes a meteor strike. While this is going on, uh, we find out that Manny, uh, which is voiced by Ray, Ray Romano, and Ellie, uh, voiced by Queen Latifah's Queen Latifah, their daughter is getting married. Yes, they had a daughter. Her name is Peaches, and she is voiced by Kiki Palmer. Uh, so, how do you think Romani's reacting to the news about her getting married? Skeptical, very much being the protective dad. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, don't even know the half of it. It is funny. Because there are moments where she, he's trying to get them to break up. And the funniest part is, um, Ellie has joined in to try to help as well. The worst part is, though, the guy that he's marrying, that she's marrying, is really nice. So it's like, why? <laughs> um, so, and basically, we have Sid and we have Diego once again. Sid's voiced by John Leguizmo and Diego by Denny Larry. They're going to help him in his deeds. This was the deal until, however, the meteors start coming down. And the weasel from uh, the dinosaur one, the SH3, Don the Dinosaurs, 
uh, Buck, voiced by Simon Pegg, after varying some drumming source, he finds this omen. These ancient, this ancient stone statue or stone carving that basically explains, yeah, meteors have hit this spot in the past. So the movie is basically about them trying to find out why it keeps hitting in this certain spot. And saying adventures, yada yada, blah blah blah, you get the gist of it, right? Pretty much. What makes this movie bad is, once again, it is a wash, rinse, and repeat sort of movie. And it's just, by this point, they shouldn't have made it. They should not have made it. You know what I mean? It was one of those movies where it's just, let it go after, I'd say after the third movie. Yeah. We, Manny had a daughter, good for him, end it. Done. Let it go. The jokes got really old and stale, but I would give the voice acting, once again, the voice acting was decent enough. It, they, The actors that they keep, keep coming back, they do their part, and I'm proud that they do their part. Um, but honestly, the adventure felt the same. Get from point A to point B, find out what's happening, although a funny moment that I found out that I always laugh is Sid almost gets a girlfriend. Oh. Finally. <laughs> yep. The sloth almost gets a girlfriend. Unfortunately. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. Anyway. I feel so bad for oh. Sid. How do you think it could be improved, though? Well, do something fresh. Yeah. Like, the first movie was, I liked that because it was just Manny, Diego, and Sid. They first met up. And then the second one kind of played on that. And then the third one played on that. Just, and my biggest gripe don't have Scrat cause the problem. Have one of the main characters cause the problem. That way it's more personal and they have to fix it. Yeah, indeed. And basically make it more engaging to the audience. All audiences. Not just kids. But adults as well. It's just gotten so old so fast. But now that we have been left in the cold, I will allow my partner Matt to warm us up with some Arabian movies with Aladdin 2. My bad movie is Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar. History behind this is, uh, after much success with Aladdin, D- Disney was seeking to cash in with a direct-to-video sequel, which was rushed uh, into distribution on the stores on May 20th, 1994. However, mm. they didn't have Robin Williams reprise his role as the genie due to a fallout in the relationship. Are you kidding me? No, I kid you not. That's kind of bad because, like, I've seen clips with Robin Williams. He was so funny as the genie. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) 10,000 years could give you such a crick in the the neck. neck. It's so funny. (laughs) Anyway. He's the best. Basically, the Aladdin 2 was just about, like, as it says in the title, the return of Jafar in all, where Jafar uh, gets, like, uh, by by chance is picked up by some idiot thief who... uh, and who, like, uh, rubs the lamp that he was sealed in, that he was tricked into, like... Uh, oh, yeah, he did wish he was become a genie in the first one. Yeah, and then he uh, be, was trapped in a lamp because, you know... Phenomenal cosmic powers! <laughs> it, itty bitty living space. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So pretty much now, uh, Jafar goes upon a, uh, a pl- manipulation plan to destroy everything that uh, Aladdin has come to love in all... What makes this movie pretty much bad and all is just like, uh, 
it's the same thing as you said before. They are just like um, running, running out, out of ideas, and his sequels just don't do as well. But you also got to remember. The, also, but the ultimate thing, though, that mm-hmm. really put it down was the poor quality animation they use, and the very awkward dialogue, and the lack of talent of Robin Williams. Not yes. without the song and all. You see, Rob, I've seen Robin Williams. He is a may he rest in peace. But he was a great, he was a great voice actor and a great actor in general. He just brought characters to life. Mm-hmm. Did he not? He did. He even brought the genie to life. And I remember from another movie, Robots, he brought Fender to life. He was one of the characters. Oh, yes, of course. I remember. So, yeah. I see your points. But you also got to remember one thing. It was it was a direct-to-VHS release. So, However, here's where they could have done better. Which, actually, they did in the next sequel. Third. In the third movie... Which is actually the movie I saw for Aladdin. I didn't see the original Aladdin. I saw the third one. I didn't see it either, so don't it worry. It was the, uh, the Aladdin and the Forty Thieves. Yeah. Well, reviewers say that it's not, it isn't completely as good a, sequ- a sequel mm. and all, but it's a far better sequel than like uh, Return of Jafar was. Exactly, because I mean, you Cause... brought back William, well, Robin Williams, <laughs> and also the animation and character design was was a good was a good amount better as well as anything, and also the story. <laughs> The story was also far more innovative and in where it brought into a more personal aspect towards one of the characters, namely really? Aladdin, in all. I thought the earth was supposed to shake to the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in all. It's just, Disney always finds a way to sneak in those oh. little dirty jokes. Oh, looks like an oracle. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Definitely, definitely an oracle. Tells the future. Uh-oh. <laughs> ah! Oh, units, we have a code red. Code red, code red, code red, code red, code red, code red, code red. And do not attempt to move or we'll be shooting ourselves. <laughs> shooting ourselves. <laughs> anyway, now back, now off the jokes and all. Now that we've got, gone through the lackeys, now we can go to the big leagues. All right, that's now my we, time. That would give you the better movies. Oh, and it looks like my friend chose a good one as well. Iron Giant. One of my personal favorite animation movies, and it's severely underrated. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I I just couldn't believe it was like uh, it didn't it underperformed and all that movie. It's just it's it's really it feels it's feels it's and it's really good. It built okay. So here's the history of the film. Actually, it's actually based on the book The Iron Man, not related to Marvel, by Ted Hughes. Oh, a book. Is it? Yes, it was a based on a book, and I think like, it's basically um, the same like, concept. Novel or picture book? Novel. Oh, I think it's basically it the same. Um, I forget, I forget when, but it was made a few years before the, the movie. But originally, believe it or not, this wasn't supposed to be an animated film at all. Is that? So? It was supposed to be a stage musical, and yet oh. one of the people, uh, Des McAnuff, thought it would be better as an animated film, and thank God they did it like this because it is really good. And so we got The Iron Giant. And the production year started in 1994, and it later was screenplayed in 1996, brought to theaters. Although, like, like, but like me and Matt said, although it did a, it has become such a phenomenal cult hit, it did not do well in the first uh, first weekend. And you know why? Why? The Sixth Sense was also released around the same time. Oh, uh, box office competition. Yep. And that's kind of where it fell flat. And it only grossed in at twenty three million dollars, and the budget was, um, I forget the budget. That's eh, okay. But yeah, it's so underrated. That's the and it's but it's a good movie, and here's why. And here's why. 
In the year 1958, during the Cold War, Cold War, basically, this is taking place during a, a time where America was the Red in, Scare. Red Scare. And there's a mysterious object that crashes offside of Maine. <laughs> Feel bad for you, Maine. <laughs> well, at least you're not Chicago. They keep getting blown up in every kind of action movie. Um, but as the movie progresses on, we see Hogarth, Hogarth Hughes, voiced by Ellie Marthenol. He finds the gi- Iron Giant. Believe it or not, it's actually voiced by Vin Diesel. And throughout the movie, throughout the movie, at first, you know, but at first, you know, a kid seeing a giant robot's going to freak him out. Of course. You know, of course it's going to freak him out. But Hogarth actually saves the Iron, the iron Giant from electrocuting. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he actually saves from electrocuting, and the reason why he's so passive, he had a bump on his head. Amnesia. He had ba- yeah, he basically had amnesia, and it was because of this he didn't know who he was, but all he knew was to eat and survive, basically. But thanks to Hogarth, he actually found a friend, a very good friend. And with this, he actually, in, throughout the movie, Hogarth teaches him about life, death, how to value life, how to have fun, and it's a really heartfelt because you see this robot become human. Unfortunately, we had to have the government in this, of course. Yep. Kent Mansley, voiced by Christopher McDonald, is sent to investigate this small town and its weird happenings. A.K.A. the metal, all the metal being eaten, consumed, and found, you know, disappearing. Well, eventually, um, there's a scrapyard. And that's where Horgoth takes a giant to live. And it's run by... Dean, voiced by Harry Connick Jr. And yes, I just quoted the Iron Giant when he first met Dean. We like Dean. Dean. <laughs> um, but Kent eventually and unfortunately does find out about the giant through pictures that Hogarth has taken of the two. So the government is called in, and by this point, the Iron Giant is a gigantic, friendly person. And unfortunately, though, the government, you know how the government acts when something newer, uh, something scary is around the place. Guess what they do? They try to blow it up. However, though, their suspicions aren't entirely unjustified. Oh, no, because in this one point, Iron Giant gets shot down and they think he thinks Hogarth's dead, which triggers the Iron Giant to go on a rampage. A defense mechanism in which. Mm hmm. And basically what happens is we find out that he was sent on Earth to destroy all kinds of weapons. Because no matter, if you've seen throughout the movie, guns, tanks, jets, anything that basically hurts or kills something is a threat. So he's sent there to destroy the threat. But why? Where his creators come from? We don't know. But eventually we found out that Hogarth is alive. He was just unconscious. Which, <laughs> the Iron Giant finds out, and he goes back to normal, but not after they shoot a nuclear bomb at the town. And the sad part is, the Iron Giant gives up his life just like Superman. He, well, and the, ter- Iron, and the Terminator. And the Terminator. But he wants to be like Superman. He looks up to Superman, and so he gives his life to destroy the nuclear bomb missile bomb the missile and he dies 
which is one of the saddest moments in that movie because you see the entire town and you you get to know this iron giant just like a friend like a best friend matt mm-hmm. it'd be like if you would sacrifice yourself for something that you know somebody else did but and here's the good news at the end of the film they find a part of the iron giant that near the town that you know re- they recovered and they find out the iron giant's still alive yeah Apparently, the Iron Giant also has a self-repair mechanism designed into him. And we find out that he's in the Arctic and he's being slowly rebuilt. So it leaves us on a very happy note. On a good stinger. Mm-hmm. What I found good about this movie, and Matt can agree with this, is it's a good heartfelt story. You grow to love the Iron Giant as you see the movie progress. Am I right? Mm-hmm. What was your favorite... What, what did you like about the Iron Giant? Ooh. Well, let's see. The character itself. Oh. Well, in its own, in all, it's hard to say what was my favorite and all. I just think I like the developing relationship between them and all. But in many ways, in hindsight, after when I've seen so many other movies and all, one movie that really connects so well with the uh, with the Iron Giant would be Terminator 2 Salve- uh, Judgment Day. I agree, because it's like... You grow to love the Terminator, and he sacrifices himself, and you feel bad. You yeah. feel so sad that you also see him develop a a bond with like a younger child and all. Exactly, that's what really hits home, and it's really sad. Um, the one thing I did like is the characters, though. The, the it's like you said the interactions between Hogarth, Kent, and the giant itself. You got Hogarth who wants to protect the giant and wants to sees him as not a monster, not a threat, but a friend. A friend that you want to protect. And you go, grow to hate Kent. Oh, yeah. Totally. He was just the stupidest person. Because it's like, I get his intentions. But he was jaded. He was cut off. And so he wanted, basically in the end, it was all about revenge because he didn't want to, he panicked. And he felt like he was not being listened to anymore because he was crazy. But if anything I could change about the Iron Giant, there's not much I could do. But maybe we could have like something of, there. now there's a special on the on a Blu-ray DVD of the Iron Giant. It shows the history of the Iron Giant, like a small memory clip. And But what I want to see is maybe like a prequel movie where you see um, the giant or where you get to see him be made, built, and then eventually come to Earth. And one of my favorite moments, I think it'd be cool if they they would have a Superman crossover. <laughs> like somehow the Iron Giant gets in the Superman's universe and they team up and they fight. Because I've seen so many fan art and pictures of, of Superman and the Iron Giant. I would, would love to see that. And now... On to the final movie with Matt. Tonight, our final movie tonight, I give it over to Matt and his choice for another great animated movie. Since we're doing animation and all, we decided that we would certainly include all animation, including in from other countries, most notably the land of the rising sun, Japan. Woohoo! Now, which film will you probably think I'm going to review? Maybe something from Hayao Miyazaki. I was tempted, but then I decided to do a more recent one from another from a very well-known re- Direct, uh, anime director who's really been coming up in the ranks. Really? And recently got some uh, popularity with his last last year's release of Your Name, or Kimi Nawa, 
I've heard really great reviews yeah. about that movie. The name of the director is Makoto Shin- Shinkai. Or Shina? Shinkai? I think it's Shinkai. Yeah, Shinkai, Shinkai I think. <laughs> Japanese names can be hard to pronounce. But, uh, yep, yep. They can, but once when you get the gist of them, you, they become easy. Exactly. Makoto Shinkai is really just one of the youngest anime, animators in the anime industry right now. And with such an, a very revolutionary style... He has, mm-hmm. such, he has such great character design in his digital animation, but what really makes them so good is his uh, is the background and just cinematography he puts into the all the shots and all. I've just seen the, screenshots of the of that movie, and it seems like it's life, a very beautiful piece. Yeah, just the realist. It's a very good blend of realism in real life, like cities and landscapes, and also just like uh, art. Truly, it's like looking at a piece of art being put into a story. And all of his movies are so very beautiful and all. The one thing missing, however, though, which is ultimately a story that would get us in. And, um... Speaking of the story, what's the plot of this movie, Matt? Yep. Yeah. Your Name is basically the, the... Basically what you would think, you know, a slice-of-life animation movie. Anime mm-hmm. movie. About a um, boy and a girl. Rural-bred Mitsuha, Mitsuha has been long dissatisfied with her life in the countryside... And resents her role as a Miko, a shrine maiden. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> as well as her father. Mm-hmm. Her wish to be re- of being reborn as a handsome Tokyo boy is seemingly granted when she what? wakes up in Tokyo in the life of a busy Tokyo high school student, Taki. So he, so she wants to be a boy. Well, it's not exactly like, it's not a transgender movie or anything like okay. that. No, 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 no. I understand, but she dreams of like having an easy life, kind of like a boy, yeah. almost. You can say that in a way, or just gotcha, basically gotcha. being in the city, away from you know the boredom of a of a small town. Not mm. that we, not that we're calling it that. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. While Mitsuha adjusts to the hustle and bustle of the city that stands in stark contrast to the sleepy town of I- of Itomori. Taki switches body, switches to Mitsuha's body simultaneously. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> While Mitsuha dismisses her experiences as a dream, the phenomena seemingly related to the appearance of the comet Tame, Taimat begins to occur with increasing frequency, the switching, bringing oh. Taki and Mitsuha's uh, destinies together in a way that previously thought imaginable. Really? It seems like a really interesting movie about body swapping. Yeah. What really makes it all good and all is how, like, uh, Shinkai is really able to just finally, like, uh, hit the very good balance between superb animation and very good story. Hmm. For one thing, it doesn't follow all those kind of usual cliches in a uh, high school romance slice of life movie and all. So many. He makes sure to be much more innovative and putting in more themes. For instance, the whole body switching adds a bit of a fantasy or sci-fi or supernatural theme. And uh, later on in the movie, you have pretty, one pretty big plot twist, which I will not say about, though. Good. We do not want to reveal too much about this movie. Uh-huh. Hmm. So basically, like, even so, uh, with all of, like, Shinkai's previous movies had an animation, mm. they didn't have enough in story. The stories nice. and all his others weren't bad, but not inventive enough. Mm-hmm. But as I say again, your name clearly shows Shinkai finally getting the best balance between stellar animation and superb storytelling. Good. In all. Plus, the two main characters really come out of the story as real people. They really actually come in because of the inventive way of just being psychological. So you can relate to the characters in a way almost. Good. Yeah, no. How can it be improved? Eh. 
Your Name is really one of those films which doesn't have too much wrong with it. Though, according to the director himself, Shinkai said that he could have done more, could have been better. Because, like, in an article, in the, uh, what I have on here right now, but I shouldn't say it completely out loud, oh. you know, <laughs> he said that he, uh, he couldn't do some things due to the lack of money. Makes sense. And upon seeing the film... Seeing that the seeing the film, it can be seen that something else could have been put in that would have uh, increased the story's element. Because ultimately, I do agree with Shinkai. It was one of those films which I feel could have had something else into it that would have made it even more. Nevertheless, though, your name has managed to really just come out of nowhere. And last year, it broke many records. It yeah. also held the long-held record of highest-grossed anime revenue that was held by Spirited Away for... Since 2001 or 2002, I don't, don't remember when it came out. Wow, I've heard that movie's really good too. Yeah, and I, and Spirited Away was one of the anime movies that got me into anime. That's really good. And this, which just means this guy has the potential to truly be the next Hayao Miyazaki. That's good. Well, that will conclude it all for this very first podcast. We all hope that you enjoyed it, and um, next week we're going to be doing sci-fi movies. We're going to be choosing, once again, we're going to be choosing one good one. And one bad one. And we're going to be reviewing both. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to give to the people, Matt? Hmm. Do you have any kind of video recommendations other than your life? Oh, let me and see. your name? Oh. oh, so many. Well, off the top of my head, obviously Spirited Away and any of Hayao Miyazaki's movies. That's true. And uh... For me, a good animated movie... Oh, this is a tough one. I think one of my favorite of all-time animated movies... Mm, I can't really think of anything right now. Off the top of your head. Uh, actually, a really good one that I find funny is Kung Fu Panda. Oh. I always love watching those movies. <laughs> Jack Black and everything. So if you ever get the chance, watch the trilogy, and but and you will not, you will not be, you will, <laughs> if you leave without your stomach hurting, it's your own fault. And once again, we're going to close with some prayers. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the listeners of this podcast. We hope that this podcast will will be great and it will help some people you know, see the movies in a different light. We also hope that we get tons of prayer requests for the next movie, the next movie review. And we hope that everyone will keep enjoying this podcast and keep coming back for more. In Jesus' my name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you and God bless and you have a wonderful evening, folks. Amen.